Welcome, comedy lovers, to another Anatomy of a Movie. Today we dissect Rough Night, the Scarlett Johansson comedy. A lot of laughs to be had, perhaps, we'll discuss, so stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we have another amazing anatomy of a movie for you guys. And you know what? Uh, This sort of marks another milestone because it's been quite a while since a female director directed a female comedy. Um, So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about tons of other stuff. Um, But of course, before we get into things, a couple of the uh, uh, business items, as we say. Right off the bat, let me introduce the panel. We have the one, the only, Marissa Serafini, representing all the females today. (laughs) Yes, hello, everyone, as the token female on the panel. I'm Marissa Serafini. You can find me on Twitter at SerafiniTV. And we have Dimitri, who is uh, who's who's representing the party squad. <laughs> that's that's me. It's my middle name, party squad. He's got his Hawaiian it shirt. Is. However, he should have brought a Miami shirt because we're going to Miami for a rough night. Aloha Friday. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And hey, hey, movie fans, how's it going, Phil? Going well. Good um, seeing you. I'm Phil Svitek. Thank you guys for joining us. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Uh, a couple of items right off the bat. Feel free to, in the description box, we have a link to the rundown, so that way you can follow along with the various notes that we have, because we might not always get to everything that is within our rundown, but it gives you a little bit more. You know, we're, we're sort of, believe it or not, just the tip of the iceberg, even though we go pretty in-depth. Uh, and secondly, we assume that you've seen the movie, so we're going to be spoiler-filled. If you do not want to have it be spoiled... Then and you then go see the movie. But if you don't care, then uh, you know what? Some people are like that. We welcome you on board. Um, it's a comedy, so uh, I would advise you to see it beforehand. But nonetheless, you've been warned. As we always do, let's start with the overall impressions, starting with the girl representative of the group. <laughs> and I promise I won't keep uh, harping that as nah, the only thing. It's fine because I am. Um, usually, I am. Um, what what I enjoyed about this film it was it was fun. There, it had its fun, smart, witty humor, which I usually enjoy. Um, I like the the different type of characters um, that had like different personalities. You definitely got that feel, and I feel like you get that in a lot of comedies and television shows. So it's usually like the sweet spot is around five six people, like Friends, How I Met Your Mother. You know, you always have like just a few people just that are distinctly completely different from each other. Um, and you definitely got that in this movie. There were some characters that were too much, in which I can you can probably guess who I'm talking about. And there are <laughs> some characters that have really just laughed the whole freaking time watching. Um, I, I think tonally it was like well balanced throughout the whole film, and even had all the predictable beats of a friendship type of movie. And I enjoyed it. Oh boy. Uh, Well, Rough Night for me doesn't even begin to describe my time seeing this movie. And I saw it at a matinee, mind you. Um, This movie only took for me 10 minutes to to make me angry. Um, I I really did not like this movie at all. Um, Probably the worst movie that I've, I'm going to say, that I've seen this summer. by by the first ten minutes, I mean this is a comedy, which um, there was a gag set up uh, at the airport 
right? Where the women are all together. It's like, hey, are we going to be on this adventure? And one of them takes a champagne bottle out of their bag and uh, pops the cork at the terminal in the airport and everybody around them ducks for cover. Okay? And I was like, oh, okay, that's sort of clever. I, 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 I get it. And then literally two seconds after that, one of the main characters literally force feeds me and tells me and describes the joke and says, oh, we're at an airport. And that sounded like a gunshot. And I'm like, really? You think that I'm that much of an idiot that I didn't get the gag to begin with? And from there on in, the movie was just a whole hour and a half of get it? Get it? That's funny. Get it? We're all talking fast because we're in coke. Get it? Oh, my God. We have bisexual swingers as our neighbors, and it'll come to a senseless plot point. Get it? And I'm, like, going, oh, Oh, my head. It just bothered me Uh, right from the get-go where there was just nothing really funny. Um, And at some point, it made Weekend at Bernie's 2 look like a better movie. And that's Weekend at Bernie's 2. There was nothing original about the concepts of this story. Um, Many times it was from movies that were far better. Um, Also of movies that should have been worse, but it made those worse movies like Weekend at Bernie's 2 look better. Um, And, you know, Lucia Aniela, the director and the writer uh, of this movie, I mean, she had the comedic depth of an anvil to the head to me. There was just nothing going on that really made me laugh. And it and it's too bad because, as we were saying, the other side of history, you know, these past few weeks we've been touting women as great directors and storytellers, right? And Rough Night shows women can make bad movies, too. Here's my thing. I don't want the studio system to look at this movie and be scared off of striving for that equality. Because I do strongly believe that women can direct very funny, raunchy, rated R comedies. I brought it up before. People like Betty Thomas and Amy Heckerling can do it. I'm sure that there are plenty of women, including Lucia and Aiello, can probably do it with better material. Um, you know, so there have been made, plenty of bad movies made by men, too. Studio system. Get it? So, there's my thing. Fair enough. Well, here... You know, I have a different viewpoint. Uh, I went into this, you know, the, the, we'll talk about the comparison, and there's actually, um, I forget if it's Hollywood Reporter or Deadline, or one of the one of the sort of trade magazines in, in Hollywood came out with a comparison of what they call twin movies, comparing this movie to tr- Girl's Trip. And I actually saw the trailer for Girl's Trip first, and I thought that was, the trailer was very funny, made me want to go see the movie. And then I saw the Rough Night trailer, and it didn't look as good. And, you know, they, I also did, I will cop to it, make that comparison of, ooh, they look very similar. However, the, for me, going in to see this movie, I'm glad that the trailer doesn't do it nearly enough justice f- uh, for me. I understand, I can, I, I kind of get the idea that they're sort of, quote, telling the jokes, but to me, it's just more of they're self aware enough to be like, oops, we made a mistake. Um, and that's what I take it. As in, in that regard, but wouldn't it have been better if they just said "whoops"? Like you don't have to explain the joke. I don't know. I was laughing anyway, so I, it it didn't matter one way or the other. Um, part of it is maybe you went to see it in matinee. I saw it um, at night on a Saturday. 
everyone was laughing. And so laughter, comedies in that regard, laughter is infectious. Um, you know, in some sense, the fact that it got a, it got nearly a fifty on Rotten Tomatoes was a good sign for me because comedies have been getting it rough. Like, if you get a thirty, I'm like, okay, what a fantastic comedy we got on our hands. So fifty to me was argue. I can't argue with that at all. Um, although rough. I was unaware of the cinema score, which is apparently a C plus. So, but overall, you know, I thought I thought yes. Um, the originality was not in the premise. The originality was in the way they conducted themselves. And I enjoyed it. And you know what? Whether it was um, Bad Moms last year, and, and, and I want uh, Girls Trip to be equally funny and, and different, and I hope for that. And this was just something different. Uh, and I, number one, I love comedies, and uh, I think there should be more just movies for women as well. And I think this fills those boxes, so I'm happy. Um, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, but there, Bridesmaids is definitely a better movie. Wouldn't, I mean, I think I hated I mean, Bridesmaids to be honest. Really? <laughs> See, and I don't know. I just think it was a funnier movie. I wasn't a fan of Very Bad Things, but this is Very Bad Things meets Bridesmaids meets Weekend at Bernie's, and I. It was just there was nothing that these women did was like was unique and or different. For me, and just because it was directed and written, co-written by by a woman, didn't didn't add anything. Oh, and I forgot, it's also The Hangover, and not the original Hangover. It was the it was it made the Hangover sequels look better to me, and those weren't that great movies either. And it, it, I don't know. And, and you're right that the twin comedies we have. What's it called? What's the other twin one? Twin films. Twin films. Oh, Girls Trip. G- Girls oh, yeah. Trip. Which. I felt the same way you did. I thought trailer by trailer, side by side comparison, Girls Trip looked funnier to me. I wasn't, I wasn't engaged in the trailer to this one because to me it already looked like it. I'd seen this before. I have no idea how Girls Trip's going to be now. Well, I'm not, I'll, I'll cop to this fact. Like you know, we talk a lot about genres and genre tropes. You can we literally do. have a genre just for movies where the prostitute dies or the stripper dies. Oh yeah. And you know what? I've probably seen most of them, and to me, they're still different. They, like, literally, there's beats that you have to hit, but that, to me, I, I could probably name enough movies to create a genre out of this. Sure. So, uh, but I think it is its own genre. <laughs> Marissa, um, your thoughts on, on what we've been talking about? Well, I mean, like, I I agree. I think there there were some, like, jokes that were, they played out funny and were actually delivered well because they are comedians you know they can actually act and like do it funny i think the the jokes were like uh intelligently written out and i think that's what made the writing pretty good um but it also made like i said before like this movie in a way was kind of predictable too because we've seen it from other movies we've seen like oh these two are the best friends. There's, oh, let's introduce someone new, which is going to break up that best friend dynamic. Like, we got that in this film. Um, you had the, the strippers, like, oh, no. Like, what do we do? So, like, I felt like some of the running trips were ex- exactly the same that we've seen in others. But I think the individual jokes, if you, like, isolate some certain scenes, there were funny moments that I haven't really seen in a lot of films that I thought were uh, well executed. Okay, I will say the po- a positive the wine tasting scene. The man, though, they were that was that, I mean, that was, was funny. That was, was totally stupid. out of out of left field and, right. and amazing. It wasn't set up in the trailer whatsoever. No, and talk about like the sad astronaut. I'd never seen that plot yeah, point before. No. That yeah. the wine tasting. It tastes like nostalgia. 
that line was actually very funny. <laughs> and I didn't need it explained to me because I, I didn't need a character going, what's nostalgia taste like? Instead, you had the line sommelier going, you're all right. <laughs> and I'm like, that scene was funny. I'll well, give it that. I think what also made that funny is because you're... You're seeing a bunch of guys who you're kind of, not to sound terrible, but you're kind of expecting the guys to be the rowdy ones. And, like, because the girls are out of town, let's get crazy. Let's get drunk and do X, Y, and Z. And, like, they are the most chill, most, like, conservative, most, like, together group doing literally a wine and cheese tasting. And you're not expecting that. And I think that was the funny joke. Like, it's so ironic. It's funny. Yes. Yeah, that that was that was funny yeah. for me right there. I I I absolutely enjoyed that moment, and you know, we'll talk about sad astronaut um, at length. But but that plot, I mean, I've never seen that before. That alone was worth the price of admission for me. <laughs> okay, I, I, okay. It, um. Listen, I have an argument that will trump everybody, so don't make me pull it. Well, it, it seems like he's <laughs> not here. It's a family show. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right, but let's uh, let's take a quick step back and talk about the development of this. Um, in, in terms of so, um, both the writers, Lucy and Paul, um, they're a couple. They they worked on Broad City, so their their background is in comedy, and they used to do a lot of their own shorts and things like that, um, as they talk about. And, and for them, you know, it's funny because they're sort of self deprecating in the sense, like you know, with each short we got. Marginally better, marginally. Right. But they did enough of these um, comedy shorts that they learned, and th- this is the positive outlook of it, right? Uh, th- they did enough of these that they taught themselves that you know what, we can be our own producers, we can create our own content, and slowly and surely they did, um, which you know you could say culminated in Broad City, and then they had the script, um, whose title has changed many, many times. It has many. Uh, a lot of the various movies that we talk about, it was on the blacklist for a little bit um, in 2015. And for those uninitiated, blacklist means it's a great script. However, no one's going to make it. Or no one's made it yet, at least. Mm-hmm. Right. I, was, I was surprised to find it on the blacklist. I do have something interesting. Today's June 22nd, correct? I believe? 23rd. It's, it's the 23rd? Right, we'll so pretend it's, it's the 22nd. <laughs> All right, we'll pretend it's the 22nd. You know, I, I found an article that was dated June 22nd, 2015, that talked about it was a it was two years ago actually that Sony actually won the bidding battle as this was a black um, a black script and that was two years ago today which is sort of kind of crazy how it works coincidentally because uh, it feeds right into our show that it was about two years ago almost to the day that Sony. Um, won the bidding battle against people like Universal, Fox, Paramount, um, that two years ago uh, to this day that this movie's its genesis, it was picked up by a major studio to be turned into a mo- movie. And if you think about it, Sony had a rough year, not let, Oof, let alone a rough uh, night, but they had a rough year <laughs> with the whole, you know, the email fiasco and then the interview you know and all that so like it's good for them that they they were already gunning for this movie back then yeah and you know if nothing else the positive outlook is that uh one of the things that we talk about i am not here to tell you necessarily that you have to love every comedy but i i do think we need more comedies just in general and which will help elevate the morale 
Not morale, but also the the quality of comedies in general right now, because there's so few and far between that most of them aren't that great. Yeah, we, we you and I, we've talked about this on a panel. It's it's use it. It's rough out there. It's yeah. tough out there for comedy. It and really comedy is. is so subjective too. You know? It is, but with but with a good creative comedy. I mean, there was a time where comedy was king at the box office. You you mm-hmm. made a comedy. And you, all you had to do was just be f- like really funny, and people would go. People wanted to laugh, and it just seems uh, they are fewer and far in between that they're being made. And it's it just seems to be an art form. Comedy is an art form. All of filmmaking is an art form. Comedy is its own art form, and it just seems harder to come up with something original and to make people laugh. I think. And I don't know what it is, but maybe we're becoming a little bit cynical as a culture, as a society. And it's almost like like I could never understand like comedy, stand-up comedy, and people heckling the guy. Like, thinking that you're in the audience and that it's okay to insult the person that's on stage. And it almost seems now that people have become so hardened that it's hard to make them laugh in a darkened movie theater. And it's it's weird, and it's too bad. And I agree, we need more good comedies because I think laughter is a really good medicine, and to make you feel good coming out of a movie. Yeah, and I think the last comedy that we just recently talked about was <clears throat> you know Amy Schumer's, right? Um, that came out you know Mother's Day that the her that that was a, a funny, well written snatch. Thank you. <laughs> um, that was a well written, and there was that was a movie that had good jokes in it that didn't need explaining because it was very clear cut we understood the joke and there was also that well balanced mix of slapstick humor in that film so I think comedy is very subjective Yeah, and dying was, is easy comedy is hard it is. And, and, and I was thinking of Baywatch which you and I did and man the, the, this movie even made me like go geez I'd see Baywatch again because at least they didn't say oh look he has his penis stuck in a lawn chair and oh everybody's watching it they didn't have somebody explain it to me the gag's just funny it was a well, funny there gag there was an actual person who, who said the but, penis was stuck but, in the chair yeah, but look at and, and everybody's looking Yeah, after the fact <laughs> he goes yeah but you've never had he goes yeah but I had a girl well, I'm not going to go back into the Baywatch <laughs> joke again but Comedy has become very... It just seems like it's a dying art. Um, uh, even, like, TV, people watch it. Sitcom, it's it's like a half hour long. It's in out. It's got commercials, too. Mm-hmm. But it just seems to be long-form uh, cinematic comedy. No, it seems that, to be tough to do. It's too bad. We need more. Well, I need to laugh. You know, that's why I applaud these guys went after it. Um, in terms of what it's based off of, as they say, it's based on so many relationships that I have had, uh, meaning Lucia. Um, the feelings that I have with certain people from my past, it's about figuring out how your past fits into your present and future. So, I, you know, um, I guess let, let's start there. If we're going to start with anything, um, there's a friendship side to it, right, that... that the friends that you had in college, and here's the thing: it's while it's not the, to me, ideas don't necessarily have to be original; they just have to be well told. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought that again, co- college friends, then the growing apart over the years, not an original idea, but I thought well told and and, and in, a, in a different way, um, and something different for me because I see I, I don't quite see that. We see that more with guys. It was somewhat refreshing to see it with girls in that sense and to be as raunchy 
as you know guys would be um i'll let you speak to i think that's very true too because i mean and i think girls take it i mean like it, everyone has a, generally that falling out between a friend and like just because you haven't talked to them in a long time right. or you moved away you know there's always going to be a disconnect and it's not going to be the exact same as it used to be when you first were together and having fun um i definitely got that that feeling because you, you usually go like when you get busy in life and you start becoming an adult friendships sometimes have to be put on the back burner unfortunately. Life and people take that personally and we saw that theme throughout this whole movie not just with one person but with all of them they, right. they are not the same people they were when they were together in college and i think it's very true to life yeah, I mean, if the one thing the movie does showcase is that friendship, but it also, I think, it also showcased that by the end of the movie, they were like they were more like the people that they were in college. And I don't mean like the responsibilities all stayed the same. Where you know she's running for Congress and and such, but your your persona may change when you go out of college, <clears throat> getting that job. And with the persona change, and, and like you said, life happens, but we still the core people. And I think another part, you know, I'll try to make as many positives as I can. Towards the end of the movie, that that persona that we saw, you know, came out. I mean, their lesson learned was, is like, yes, even though life has thrown us all this stuff and we've matured and we've got careers and wives and family, and family Inherently, they're still the same people that attracted everybody as friends in college, and they and they learn that through their rough night journey. So yeah, and like and even at the end of the movie, you know, like there was a moment where they were reminded of why they were friends to begin with, and that's yes. what I enjoyed. Like, yeah, they may have grown apart now and they're different and stuff, but like the actual reminding, like this is why we're friends. You did this when I was younger. Blah blah blah. Um, like enjoyed it and that's why you believe this friendship because they go back to their early days absolutely I thought um, <laughs> I don't know why uh, but when they showed the college scene and then the girl that takes a piss in, in the in dorm room I thought oh is she the fifth person <laughs> right, right. <laughs> how is this going to work was, out you know and I actually thought she was going to be I thought she was part of their friendship like she she really wasn't a friend no. at all. Just a random. Yeah. Just a random girl that peed in the dorm room. Yeah, repeatedly, apparently. They're like, not again. <laughs> like, here she is again. Um, I like that because that also, like, when they introduce Pippa, like, that is also very true to life because we, we grow up, we go to our different places in the world, and you do make new friends. And then, like, you do get jealous because, like, oh, you're hanging out with them more than you used to hang out with me. But like, wasn't that's that the very cru- true. Wasn't that the crux of Bridesmaids? Mm-hmm. Kristen Wiig's character, you know, and... Why she went to the wedding. Right. And, yeah, and all that, all, the, all that rot that comes with, you know, well, she's got a new friend in life who's, who's doing everything and... It just was a very similar theme in Bridesmaids. It was, I don't think we saw them when they were young. That That's, like, the only difference. Well, but, you know, when it came to Kiwi, I'll just keep calling her Kiwi, even though it's racially insensitive. <laughs> um, when it came to her, it's not like she was pretending to be the most amazing friend. They, they, they just happened to be friends, and she's like, okay, like, I don't put myself on a higher pedestal than any one of you guys. I'm just part of, like... 
she legitimately wanted it to be a group activity um, versus um, versus Alice. She, she wanted it to be a duo, and everyone else was just in the way. Right. So, you know, I, I get what you guys are saying in terms of bridesmaids, but to me, that it's different. It's not like she wants to be the 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 best woman at the wedding, or the brides, but the bridesmaid. Yeah, the bridesmaid. Yeah, bridesmaid. That's it. That's the word. Sure. <laughs> Um, and you know, and, and that's the interesting part is when I look at it, they're kind of none of them overall is like a, a friend that sort of stayed day to day. Well, with the exception of um, Blair, Blair is that Julian Bell's character? No, I mean, Alice. And Alice, Alice seems to have kept in touch with all of her, them. Her, well, but particularly Scarlett yes. Johansson's character. Throughout, I mean, it seems that she talks to her often, um, almost to the point where, <laughs> you know, she's like, she doesn't invite her to the bridal shower. Is that it? Yeah. <clears throat> but it seems that she tries to remain in, at the very least, her life. Connected. You know, well, you also saw at the very beginning, the opening scene, when they're playing beer pong, it's like, it's those two on a team. So, like, right. they establish that this is a duo. Don't right. break this up. Don't break up the duo. Yeah, don't don't ever break up the duo because someone's going to get hurt. But I think that there's a fundamental difference. It's not like you know they're hanging out every. Fr- the, you know when you call someone and things like that, or you see them, let's say once a month, it's not quite the same as if you see them once a week. Right. And mm. it, just that proximity, right? It's not like they live in the same town and whatnot. Now, part of that is Jess thinks that she's grown up and that. She can't have friendships of that nature as, as she's running for... I mean, she could barely be with her husband. Right. You know, she's got to go check an email. She's got to go do this, and he's just going to go jerk off in the shower. Right. Yeah. Oh, poor You guy. do that for me. <laughs> for me. I was like, that's an understanding man. All right. <laughs> oh, man. The joke there would have been Ooh. like, well, what are you thinking about when you're jerking? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, stop, I thought shower. the joke was that's very sweet. <laughs> you do. <laughs> oh, that's sweet, honey. Oh, okay. Guys think just differently. Yeah. So wired that they could come up with an idea like that. Well, I'll tell you what. You go do that. I'm. I'm gonna go fall in love with myself. <laughs> <laughs> go love yourself, really. Yes. Um, in terms of the plot points, um. Let's talk about the biggest one, right? Where we're sort of thrown into this loop. Um, and did you guys know that we'll call him? Should we call him the stripper or the prostitute? We'll call him the stripper, even though he sure. came from a shadier. We can knowledge. call him the dead guy. The dead guy. Yeah. Yeah. Call him uh, Bernie. <laughs> so, so the dead guy. Uh, you know, did you guys have any idea where this was going, or did you guys legitimately think that he was the stripper that they called? Well, like, you kind of, when you're watching him first, when they first introduce him, and then, you know, they're getting kind of crazy. It's like, yeah, do this with him, like, have sex with me. And, like, you can tell on his face he didn't know what was happening. I was like, something's wrong here. So I kind of knew something was up with his character, and then, unfortunately, he died. It sucked. But already from the get-go, I didn't trust this guy. Mm. You know, like, something was off. Yeah, I knew it wasn't the stripper. Like, when he was coming up to the door, I just... I, I'm like when he walked through the door and they're all I'm like that's not the stripper that's mm. not the guy and then when he partic- when he specifically was roughhousing with I forget which character it was it wasn't 
It wasn't Alice. It was some character, and he started in... Um, I think it was Zoe Kravitz's character. Blair. <clears throat> Blair, and she pushed him off. I was like, yeah. Now, they keep on thinking he's the stripper. I'm like, he ain't the stripper. I don't know who he is, but he ain't the stripper that they hired. So, and then, you know, then it goes very bad things on us pretty Just quickly stuff. after that. <laughs> I was surprised, actually, how well that they overall contained it to the house. You know, I thought for sure we would sort of move the body around a little bit more. Yeah, the house and the beach. And I like the house because the house had personalities despite, like, all the different rooms that they went in. Like, from the garage, because that was the only enclosed space, technically. Besides well, like, the room. But, yeah, besides the, the sex swing room. There but, wasn't a but, glass. Like, no. Yeah, and there's glass everywhere. <clears throat> and, like, we did go to the beach a little bit. But just the house and the different locations that they were in the house, like, played and served a different part, which I enjoyed. I mean, they, they utilized that house. In yeah. full. In full. Sure. Absolutely. And what I enjoyed about it, too, to that point about the glass, it was um, not only did they have all these various things working against them, but the house itself was a plot point of crap. The, whether it's the dog, whether it's the it, – it's just the constant, you know. The pizza delivery. Everybody can look in. <laughs> it's yeah. a glass yeah. house. It's a glass house. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I rather enjoyed that. Um Quite a bit, and I, I'm surprised the na- na- I'm surprised the neighbors never really kind of came a little bit closer. You know, like they never made the move on their own. It's it's the um, it's them that had to make the move towards them. All right, the neighbors were just so far out there. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> these these guys. You thought these girls were crazy that were watching, but these guys were like a whole nother world. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy. I, I I thought Demi Moore did a great job. She reminded me of, like a real housewives of pick whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> that's true. And that's just, funny. just just the fact that she she just so went along with it and, and, and from the stories as the stories go, it was her idea to be like, Oh, let me put something on and she puts on the sunglasses. And that was a funny scene and in any other movie it would have been really hysterical. I mean I thought that that was oh let me put oh, let me put something on and the glasses come on and I'm like that's classic, like Demi. That that's Demi Moore. That's something she would have done in an eighties, nineties mm-hmm. comedy, you know. And she did it with, well, there was, there was no shame. Like she did it with her bravura. Um, again, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe Demi Moore is purposely taking herself out and not doing as many movies, or maybe people just aren't going to her as much. I don't know. But it's not like she She's can't still be gorgeous. funny. It's, yeah, yeah. Right. and you know. I mean, I th- it was a role I haven't really seen her in, so like that was kind of refreshing to watch. I was like, okay, this character is so out of her real house, which I enjoy. But the Ty Burrell character, like he's the same quirky, weird guy from Modern Family. I was like, yeah, okay, this is within your real house, so <laughs> I can expect this from you. But adding to me more in there and them being the open couple, I was like, okay. And, <laughs> They're dealing and, with these people. And it was a plot point that ended up being nothing. Yeah. Because the whole thing about them was because of a security camera that, that our characters see. And they said, oh, my God, we, 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 we've been on tape dumping the body on the beach, which washed up on shore. Get it? Um, and then we find out that the camera didn't work. Anyways. And it fell flat. It just, to me, it was like. 
That's another see, the camera didn't work, but we had this whole scene. Isn't that funny? No, it was I, wasted. You did nothing. It was, I, I get the, but you know, part of it is, you know, the, the, you set up that expectation. <clears throat> part of it is just the, like when you're in their shoes, the amount of things that are going through your mind. And yeah, you're just gonna. You, there's gonna be certain things that you do that aren't gonna get you anywhere. And this is one of those things, and I, I didn't mind it. I don't know. I, I, I don't read far too. Unfortunately, I don't read, or fortunately, I don't read that far into it in terms of, yeah, it was a. Fi- because for them, it was of uh, the utmost importance. Yeah. Uh, well, it didn't seem like it either, because that was, that was the weird setup. It was like, oh, we have to go, like, they, they just taped us, and then they're like, oh, we're going to send you in, Blair. Sorry. And, but the thing is, when they're actually in the middle of, like, having a threesome, like, all the girls are just watching. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be going into their house and stealing the security tape footage? I know, they don't know where they don't know where the footage is, so Blair was supposed to then just take everything. But, like, I, and I think that's the, I the thing with the setup. The I, was like, I was like, you would too. use this opportunity to, like, distract them. You have four other people go into the house and just ransack the whole place and find the security. Like, yeah, how hard is I mean, that? Look, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna turn a negative into a positive, okay, I will say that the only reason for that scene um, to be in the movie is to show Blair that she still likes the touch of a woman, and that helps her. Mm. Well, I, yeah. I'm like I'm being serious, yeah, no. and then that's what, in a sense reheats the Blair Frankie relationship at the end. That that makes her happy. Her marriage to a man obviously went south but we don't know any history of that marriage but they have a kid and it just seemed to be that scene she was, Zoe Kravitz as Blair or Blair was really into it. Like, like you know. She so loosened up. She, <laughs> she loosened up. So that to me is the only reason to have that scene, and then you know it was a comp- the, the cameras were a complete MacGuffin. They they ended up yeah. being a nothing. So well, so I mean to be honest, for better words, so did a lot of other things in this movie. But again, I, I it just it just played well for me. I, I I will say this: one of the things that we haven't quite outright talked about. Uh, you know, we we discuss a lot. Uh, sort of passion for a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And whether or not the movie was good for you, uh, what I enjoyed it was that these guys had a lot of fun doing it see, from everything that I've seen and read. And, you know, sometimes that could be like, oh, okay, we're just going to make a movie just for our friends and, and something like that, where, where they become so focused on the fun that they forget that they have to put out a product. Um but in in, the, in this instance, I think they were able to do both. Now, whether or not people agree with that, I, you know, it's they were well. What I'm saying is they were aware enough that they knew that they had to have fun, but for the greater purpose of creating a good comedy. Now, whether or not they succeeded, again, we, we can debate. But but I'm saying sometimes just on a fundamental, movies lack that core basic I, ideology. I will agree with you that they appear to all be having fun making that movie. No. And I'm glad they did. Hey, listen. Sometimes it, we t- we we have talked about this before, and you're right on. I mean, you're right on point with a lot of things that we always talk about here. Because how many movies have we seen? And we either you can either notice it on screen, or we read about it later. 
They really weren't having fun making this movie. Yeah, like they hardly talk to each other during filming. Yeah. yeah. And we tend to enjoy the movies. Uh, well, I do, in a sense, where I see that they at least were having fun. And if they're making a really good movie and they bring us along for the ride. But I do think that it is an important part of that collaborative effort. And um, because it sort of kind of ruins, too, the movie magic when you hear that they're not talking to each other. Right. I mean, on one hand, it ruins the movie magic. On the other hand, you can go, wow, what an amazing actress. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, when they hate each other so much, I would tend to go in the more positive side and said, well, look, they... They were all having a good time together. They like traveling together and doing the promotion together. They, they they joke around. That, to me, doesn't ruin the movie magic. It only enhances it. You know that they had a good time doing it. I did see that in this movie. Yeah. Um, Marissa, you want to speak to any... Uh... Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Um, you, you generally, with comedy, I, I feel like a lot of... Um, uh, I think Adam Sandler definitely, like falls into that because we know his movies he usually brings the same production crew his same friends and cast members in all of his movies let alone the last you know his recent movies haven't been like box office commercial success as of late but he doesn't care he's going to keep making those movies because he enjoys the process he enjoys the environment that he's created with his friends you know and I think but that also translates on screen you can tell they're having fun and I definitely tell you could tell in this movie that every scene, they just liked being together. Yeah, I, I I like the fact that you bring up Adam Sandler because he's had his hits and misses in movies. But yes, they all get seem to get along together really well. And he, he creates that environment on set. He wants everybody to get along together. You know, uh, Michelle Monaghan... Uh, who was in Pixels, yeah, hadn't been in an Adam Sandler movie before. But even to this day, like with, with the anniversary, really, you know, Pixels was released so many years ago, she still talks about what a great time she had making that movie. To this day, she she's tweeted about it. So you can tell. Um, in some of the comedies, it's very infectious. And in another, some other ones, it's like, yeah, I just wanted to do it to get everybody together. And you can tell that, too. Right. But it is better when at least they're having a good time. And they're, they're smiling and laughing. And th- there's a respect, especially in comedies, if you're working with comedians. You know, there's a mutual respect. And maybe sometimes it might help the other comedian up that person's, he or she, up their game, too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you know, all of these guys are. I can't. Well, I can't say necessarily they're all veterans, but they they've done enough comedy. You know, when it comes to comedy <laughs> and just acting in general, you have to sort of do your reps. And <laughs> certainly, they've all done enough reps to 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 be at the level they are. And I I, I love seeing Scarlett Johansson overall. Like, even though she's not the funniest person in this, to be able to go from the very serious movies that she does to comedy such as this um, I just enjoy that sort of transition yeah I mean I'd have they, to they, look they like working together too I mean Jillian Bell and and Kate McKinnon obviously SNL like and Scarlett Johansson has been on SNL so like you they've already worked together and True. have built that you know working relationship so I'm glad that there's they found another opportunity to still work with each other yeah I was trying to find an example um, 
I'm having a hard time bringing up Scarlett Johansson on IMDb to see if she has been at any type of this type of a rated R movie. I know that she was in Hail Caesar, but that's a different kind of comedy altogether. She's done yeah, other comedies, but I'm not comedy. not entirely sure she's been yeah, in like a rated R raunchy comedy. And listen, she was definitely testing the waters as Eight far as her freaks is kind of as close yeah, as you can get. Maybe. You know, I mean, she was it's definitely stretch, trying. But... Here's the thing. In this movie, I thought she was definitely trying to uh, stretch her comedic muscle to to build it up more. She was you could tell that she was working on the timing of saying a line. Um, and, and, and but I did also get that she was having a good time. And to your point, Marissa, she has been on SNL. It's not like she's never worked with some of the cast yeah. before. Um, and I don't, I, I never, I always respect an actor, actress, when they want to try to do something different. Like, they don't want to be pigeonholed into just playing one role. And for her doing this, I think it was brave. I think it was smart for her to do. Um, so I, I don't begrudge anybody who tries um, to be in more of or a different genre other than what people would associate. I hope she does more comedies. You know, I hope everybody in this movie does more comedies. She's better than this one. <laughs> I'd like to see them. Well, she says of the script, when I read the script, it was so streamlined and really a perfect read, and that's a rare thing. Um, that, that, and it was really, really funny, and I just knew I had to meet these crazy people. So that's why she took on the role. Um, Good for her. Absolutely. Um, and I, oh, oh, sorry. Go uh, ahead. What, what I think is like I feel like Scarlett Johansson has built a career where she's now in a position she can choose whatever kind of movie she wants to do. She's done good drama. She's yeah. done action movies with the Hello, you know, Avengers and all that. Like, and she has a big following from that. And now she's doing raunchy comedy. Like, she has the ability to jump different genres and still be successful. So good for her. And like, girl's thirty two. So like. She's she's doing fine. Yeah, no. Listen, we I we all talked about her in the much underappreciated Ghost in a Shell, and we talked about her career as as right making it uh, in a Coen Brothers movie or being uh, in a Luc Besson movie. You know, she can do action. She can do a ton of stuff. So if she and wants do drama, to, yeah, she can do drama very well. And if she wants to flex her comedic muscle, I got. I got no problem with that go at all. Like, go for it. She is a she's definitely a shining example. She's an actress that's out there. She's being utilized. Um, I think she should be utilized more. We shouldn't just stay to the core. She was willing to try and take chances, and that's important, I think. But you're right. She's also in a position where she can afford to take chances. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah. begrudge her that at all. Um, I thought. <clears throat> While a lot of the weight, I, I, you know, you could say that Phil on Jillian Bell and Kate McKinnon, I actually really want to applaud Zoe Kravitz for the various things that she did because to me, um, you know, I, the various things that she's done, whether Divergent or First Class um, with the X-Men and so forth, um, I really finally got to see her a, a lot more and, and I enjoyed her. I, th- I think she's uh, she, she's got good talent. And I'm excited to see what she'll bring to the future um, in that way. You know, I'm glad you I'm glad you said that, and I'm glad you mentioned those other movies 
you know, because they're like franchise pictures. But for some reason in this movie, she looked like a fresh face. Yeah. You know, when you're in those other types of ensembles, you can get lost within story, within other characters. Well, I mean, Divergence about, um, uh, what's, the, what's the girl's name? Um, Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley. X-Men is always about Charles and, and um, you know. Yeah, and, but you don't you don't go X Men and think yeah right you don't go X Men and go oh Zoe Kravitz was fantastic. Yeah. This movie at least made her look like a fresh face to go oh I, I mean and that I agree with you and maybe from this maybe she can get more roles too mm-hmm. you know whether they be drama or comedy or maybe even action Who yeah knows? and I think the character of Blair like she was set up to be the most seemingly normal person out of all of them like the most like. She she grew up the most out of everyone. She had a a family. She had to take care of. Um, she got a like when we see her, she's in a suit. You know, she she's like the most uptight, most normal person out of all of them. And to see her character slowly progress to literally open with the open, you know, you know neighbors and stuff. But you you saw like how she was crazy when she was younger. It's like you right. believed it. Um, she, she was the most like fairly normal person out of all of them. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up too, Marissa, because going back to what I had said earlier about how they, they learn about themselves and they learn that they are very much that, that the, the people they were in college is still with them as adults because in college she has this relationship with, um, again, forgive me for, uh, she has a relationship Frankie. with Frankie. Frankie. And one could chalk it up or make the argument that that was experimentation because it is college. Uh, but I think the movie really set up the fact that she grew up. And everything's not peachy keen for her because she is going through a divorce. We, we see her with the child and the husband seems to be sort of a jerk. <laughs> like, you know, hey, it's 20 minutes into my time. Don't, don't think I'm not noting that down or whatever. So she's having real-life problems, but coming back into the fold, being reunited with Frankie again, things that happen on the beach with the couple, sort of kind of, she realizes, well, that wasn't really experimentation. Mm-hmm. I just like, I like to go that way, and that's fine. Um, and I just find that to be very interesting because, again, of arcs, that character has probably the biggest relationship arc. Yeah, and there's been a lot of good articles talking about that sort of how, how they progress the lesbian needle um, in filmmaking. And, you know, it is a shame that just overall in terms of the movie, it's not going to be quite as seen as, you know, for, for what it did, you know. Right. And whether or not it's actually true, you know, I I, I never like to – I think it's good. We always talk about these various benchmarks because in some sense we have to, um, you know, to progress forward. But I – you know <laughs> – I'll, I'll toot our own horns. We're, we've progressed that it feels like a digression every time we have to pull some people I know, back. doesn't it? Because we seem to have to talk about it as if it's a news story. But, yeah. you know, in this case, it is a character development thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think it's very natural. Nobody's, it's not that it's so written about that we're, we're talking about controversy. We are actually talking about a legitimate plot point in the movie and how it does relate thematically to the movie about how these they're still the same women in college just because they have just because they have responsibility and relationships and and whatnot 
they still their inner core is they're they're good people at heart who who are good friends and love each other. So regardless of sex. Now one one of the plot points I enjoyed and, and turned into a motif was uh, the tampon. Hey, do you have a tampon? <laughs> I rather, again because this t- to women that might be just funny um, in itself, but even though what I'm saying is maybe they've heard it before or whatnot and then they've used it to me it's just such a rare like hilarious thing that you know would have never crossed my mind so to see it, it, it for me it came out of left field and it was just the funniest thing I, I think it was very smart being a woman um, <laughs> like I've been in situations where like you have to look out for your fellow woman you know be like hey a situation is escalating do you need help to get out of it so, you got a creeper yeah, Creeper you, you have like you're you're looking out for your fellow woman. Um, granted, we didn't use tampon, <laughs> but but it's also just the, what did you the use? funny. I mean, <laughs> but it's just funny because like when you say tampon, men already run the opposite direction, and like I liked how they used it in this film. Um, for if it's a, if something's happening with a man. Just say tampon and they'll go the and they'll go away. And I'm like, I liked it. It was smart because it dispels the idea. Like if if they were really trying to get to know you, <laughs> they would be in it for the long haul, as opposed to oh, they just want to sleep with you tonight, and that ain't happening. Yeah, yeah, I know all the creeper codes. Unfortunately, damn it. No, but it was funny. But again, what 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 what's, what made it funnier is towards the end of the movie when Kiwi. No. Is yelling tampon, tampon, and they they didn't get their own joke. Yeah. Like that joke needed to be explained to them. They're going, "What the hell are you yelling tampon for?" She's like, "Isn't that your code?" Like that to me was sort of funny. Yeah, that but it's never been used. Using, it's never been used in that context. No, I, yeah. I understand. I get it, but she was saying, "Warning, warning, warning!" That guy's wrong. Tampon, 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 and like she was like. That's your own code. You're not getting it. That's a problem. So, uh, I'm trying to find as many positives. <laughs> Good. Well, so was uh, so was Kiwi. And, you know, I think it speaks to a greater point of <laughs> she was like Americans are so uncultured and dumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, there, there was a lot of good stuff there. I, I loved her the jet lag bit. I love the Australian dollars versus the American dollars. Right, right. I, I thought uh, she she really nailed it. They took full advantage of her Australianness. I, I think she she did great. I'm like I love Kate McKinnon. She's hysterical in SNL. Um, I think what was really smart because like she was just a likable, cool character from the start, and we didn't like throw her in just to make the group better. It's just like she just naturally fit. She's just one of those people. Um, and I, I liked it because also she just seemed so cool and she was open to the American culture, especially when she's like explaining what a Kiwi is, the difference between a New, Ze- right. New Zealander and Aussie. And like she wasn't trying to be mean or rude or like, no, you guys are ignorant. It's like, no, right. this is the actual proper political, you know, PC-ness of it of it all and like I liked her character and her her accent was hysterical I love Jillian Moon she's like I can't do your accent I can't do your accent yeah I I just Kate McKinnon is a very talented comedian and I think she can be a very talented actress she needs a better agent theatrically I mean she was in Ghostbusters who arguably you can say she was the best part I mean 
from from all those other talented comedians, mm-hmm. I thought that she stood out the most. Um, I did enjoy her in Office Christmas Party, and albeit she wasn't the main character, but I did like her character. Her character in this movie, to me, just seemed to be a, a, a very... It was an hour and a half version of an SNL character, and it, she she needs better material. I think she's a very funny woman and very capable. I want to see her in that... I want She deserves... She deserves that movie, like... Uh, Melissa McCarthy got bridesmaids and shot her, you know, up into fame. Like, not unlike how Bill Murray can start off in a movie like Meatballs and do a Caddyshack and 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 then Stripes and build a career like Eddie Murphy. I'm talking, and I'm comparing her to other actors um, from a SNL. Movie role. She needs a smarter movie, a better material movie for her to either headline or be the the co-star. In because I think she, I believe, not think, I really believe she can pull it off. And I think the time is, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, she can't do Hillary Clinton, obviously, coming up a lot in SNL. And I think if you're stretching to be in this movie career, I think she can do it. I think she is a very talented uh, actress and, and comedian. So I agree. And kind of a quick side note, when uh, she remarks in the movie that they should cook the dead stripper, in fact, in Australia, Marcus Volk, a chef, murdered his transgender girlfriend. Here's some fun news for you. <laughs> um, in an apartment in 2014, an ill-thought-out plan to conceal her body he tried to boil her, dismember her remains in cooking pots. So, um, you know... Borrowing and making light of real life situations. I don't know if they 100% pulled that joke um, based on this, but it is it apparently was a real thing. It's actually right. a plot point from an Alfred Hitchcock's Presents episode. Mm-hmm. To when a husband kills his wife and the police detective comes on over to investigate the crime, the husband has cooked his wife and has served it to the police officer. And by the end, he leaves mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, he's innocent. Mm-hmm. So that was an old Alfred Hitchcock presents episode. Well, luckily, That's been in a lot of television yeah. shows too. So. Luckily, in real life, they caught the guy. They caught. <laughs> Not that it helps. That's the, disturbing, the... knowing that it actually happened. Uh, <laughs> indeed, um, but in some ways, what's great is that comedy can shine a light onto the whole. Like in the end, where they're like, "We created a good crime." We. <laughs> I enjoy like oh okay. I love yeah, how they in, our, to in Miami. In Miami, it's considered a good cry. <laughs> like oh okay. Um, so I did like that that aspect of it that they they regardless were still able to find a funny way to get all these horrific things across. Um, let's talk about the uh, sad astronaut. Apparently, another real thing, um, and it, this. This kicked off for me one of the funnier bits of the entire movie. Uh, Marissa, what did you think? We've been talking about a lot about the girls, but now this is the guy's <laughs> plot. Um, I enjoyed this because I didn't expect this in the movie. Um, I think this built up, uh, what was his name, Peter? Peter. Um, Peter, more as a bigger character than I expected him to be in this movie. Because granted, you had the, the five guys, or sorry, the, the five girls. But you didn't. You you can expect that the boyfriend's going to be on the back burner. Um, 
but I liked the story, even the the slow dramatic buildup of like this is what you got to do, this is what happened, and it was so serious, and there was like a music swell and all that explaining. I was like, okay, get to the point. Um, but it built up the Peter character, like he's so in love with Jess that he's willing to do anything, travel all through the night and drink how many cans of Red, Red Bull. Bull and. Um, but illegal like, Russian amphetamines that yeah. were you just gotta do expired. it <laughs> and it made me like Peter way more than I thought I was going to in this film even way though more. his dick was curved even though well they do we know that for a fact they question if it was but it doesn't seem like it but I liked it it gave him a big storyline that I was not expecting in this film yeah, I mean, I was sort of expecting it only because, not not the sad astronaut, mind you, but they did play him up at the beginning. And if we are going, if we are going to a bachelor party of wine tasting, he somehow has to factor into this. And then when they do the setup of, do you still want to get married? And she was going to say something, she said no, and she was going to continue on, but somebody took the phone and broke it. That's what she said. Uh, I just figured that that, and then he I, kept on going back to him, going. She said, "No, I got to do something or whatever." And the sad astronaut comes in and he pees in a diaper. Okay, look, what blew that for me is him driving and he has the reefer madness, like the reefer madness mug on his face that we just, and he's like driving, and I'm like going, "Yeah, it's." It's just not funny. You held on to this. I get the joke. He's on Russian amphetamines and Red Bull, and he's wearing an adult diaper. The only funny part of the entire joke wasn't stopping at the gas station. It was the cop that pulls him over for the driving test, and he does the gymnastics. (laughs) And the cop's like going, that was amazing. I just wanted you to walk a straight line. I'm still going to give you a speeding ticket, though. (laughs) Could have gotten way worse than that. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I I agree. Once we get to the wine tasting, then it kind of re, it, it sets up certain things. However, up until that point, to me, he was a forgotten character. He, much like in Hangover, we're not going to see him till till the end, till we get to the wedding. Um, and and so that in itself was a different twist. Um, and yeah, again, once once we come back to the wine tasting, I agree with you then. Then the wheels are turning of how they're going to do this. <laughs> and uh, I, I enjoyed the ride, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> and I, for me, the gas station scene was a, a spectacle to behold. Uh, I felt that scene was like two minutes too long. Yeah. It, it went for a long time when he was trying to get money and like yeah. now getting like the two guys to help him out and then eventually helping each other out. I was like, okay, I get it. We was like... You can leave. But, you, you find you have your money, and then like these yeah, guys. But come on, if if you're at a gas station at night, and a guy comes up to you wearing an adult diaper, asking to wash your windshield, like a, I'd stop my gas. I'd get the hell out of there. Right. Like that joke would, went on for far too long, and I wasn't buying it. And I don't know. Listen, I've seen. Some I like the. I like the. Co- I know. I, I'm in L. A. I've seen it too. And you know what? I get the hell out of there. I don't uh, stick around. Um, Anthony, who's our engineer, look up. <laughs> l- literally, just type in "creepy gas stations." Oh, you would Lord. be surprised what exists out there. 
Yeah, um, that's why I don't go to those gas stations. I don't either, plus except when you're driving to Vegas and then you're at a gas the next gas station 30 guy. miles away. Yelling. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, th- I thought the, the gas station was funny. It just felt like it was too a long. couple of minutes too long. Yeah. Okay. Fair mm-hmm. enough. I don't think I don't um, take that away. All right. Well, let's move on to overall. We've talked about the various things, and I'm sure there's a story plot. But you know, rather than basically summarize the jokes and things of that nature, let's move on to more of the production side of things. Sure. Um, Dimitri, you actually found a lot of great tidbits. Uh, starting off with our cinematographer Sean Porter, um, you want to give us a little bit of insight on him and as to why they chose him? I thought that was great. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was pretty cool too, um, because. He was a younger guy. He'd worked on things like Green Room and 20th Century Woman. Um, and he, he, he was chosen because of his unique and distinct look for making how a movie looks. And it just, from logically and style-wise, um, they didn't want the film to look too bright, glossy, or gauzy. Which, I'm gonna, a lot of movies that are filmed in Miami are exactly that. Bright, glossy and gauzy because it's Miami and you feel like you have to film it that way. Mm. Even the house, which could have been like, if it didn't have the glass windows, it could have been like all white pink flamingos. It wasn't. Well, that's what it, it kind of looked like when they first get there during the day and and all it's like bright and sunny and all the walls are white. The floors well, are white. The tiles are white. It is, but if you watch a lot of movies that take place in Miami, even even Melissa McCarthy, what was the one with uh, Jason Bateman and it's in Miami. Like, oh, Identity like, Theft? Yeah, there's like Pink Flamingos. It's like obviously they, they and it's very Ride bright Along and Ride Along 2 takes place in Miami, yeah. I believe. Mm. And, and, and you can tell, but Sean gave it an edgy, fresh, funny, unique look and he did add a little bit more grit to it. So, if they, if it wasn't Miami, they could have said it was... They could have said Pebble Beach, or they could have said it anywhere, and I would have like I would have believed it. So I only knew it was Miami because they told me they're going to Miami. So um, yeah, and and I like the fact that they chose you know a guy who's working his way up. He's a younger guy. Obviously, he has a good eye. Uh, so so that's cool too. You know, and, and and to do a comedy, you do have to light it. From a cinematographer standpoint, it, it has to be the way it looks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, especially with this, like it's such an ensemble that you have to overall see them in the frame and everything. Sure, um, you know, and, and by the way, and there's going to be times like with the lighting, like at, at the beach in particular. That's a scene where you do have to play particularly with lighting because okay, when what we're seeing versus what's actually there. Um, and how they have to hide the light, you know, so that way they're not seen in terms of dumping the body and so forth. So I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I thought he did a good job, too. And to the point, you know, I was making, too, about um, not dumbing down but, but darkening Miami, so to speak. Even the production designer, Bob Shaw, said, he goes, yeah, one of their challenges was balancing the vibrant pastels colors of Miami with the dark humor of the film. So, you know, they they um, 
you couldn't help but notice that half the buildings were lit with pink neon, right? And the other half are lit with a blue or aqua neon. So this in general tone, it's, like is, it's inescapable. So we knew that we knew that going in was going to be a very important part of the palette. But then how, again, do you do that in the backdrop of, like, to do a dark comedy? It has to be a little bit of of maybe seediness is the right word or, or, or a little bit of dark. So, yeah. Well, one of the... <clears throat> But, you know, I thought they did a good job of neutralizing the overall setting, and then they were able to, you know, we'll talk about costuming, but uh, just even speaking of production, um, you know, all the props that they use with the penis stuff. <laughs> I mean, that in itself was that, that was the flamingos. That was the additive that they needed. <laughs> and um, I thought they utilized the various um, props throughout the movie well. Sure. I think the peanuts props were actually pretty funny. Uh, especially, like, it was just a running gag throughout the whole film, especially, like, when they're at the airport and, like, oh, I have a whole basket of all these penis props for you. There you go. And then when they're trying to drive the, the dead guy in the car and they put the, one of the masks on his face, right. you know, it was just a... It never got old. Yeah. It really did. Yeah, the funniest joke there was uh, the penis-shaped pasta. I was really hungry. I ate some dry. <laughs> right, but like even that basket served a purpose because when they're in the bathroom, she uses the handcuffs from the basket and she uses the wax and stuff. So like everything that was set from the beginning had a purpose at the end. Right, absolutely. Um, but even even the penis shaped pasta came through at the end credit sequence. Those end credit sequences where she goes, "Oh, I'm hungry," and she went to boil them in the diamonds. Yes. that we're talking about. Oh, I was like, oh, how I did that even happen? Okay, that doesn't make any sense at all, but oh, well, sure, okay, at this point. Uh, speaking of that, uh, just as a side tangent, what was the song that, that she was singing? Uh, remember, she's at the piano recital, and she's saying, sometimes when you kill a dead guy or whatever. I forget, but I thought <laughs> I thought that was a funny moment, um, just, as, just as Jess wins uh. Uh, no. I don't know. Don't know. Well, check <laughs> it out. You can find it. Um, but you know, let's uh, let's transition into the costumes because when we talk about that tone, uh, you know, we have various great great quotes. Uh, but I, I, I look at Alice just being the polar opposite, right? Talk about the fun and the vibrancy. Right. Um, she's the person that most out of all of them brings out that that tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually have a pretty good breakdown of each of the characters. Yeah, and Alice had to be opposite of Jess, even though they're quote unquote like the best buddies you know she's the one that planned the weekend and you can tell that she's obviously the looser of the two and you totally get the costume and the color palette because Scarlett Johansson who's a politician you know is also wearing a pantsuit type thing but <clears> even <throat> when she changed for the, the night when they were out for right. dinner she was in a little red more dress cons- yeah. yeah and you know she is a little more conservative and, and that that's one Thing, at least at the beginning of the movie, she was very concerned about appearance because she, she kept on saying, guys, I'm running for office. I really shouldn't be doing this. Um, where, where Jess is, anything goes. I, you know, I'm, I'm a school teacher. <laughs> I plan this. Well, what will the kids think? Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Alice. <laughs> yeah. What will the kids Alice. think? Yeah. Um, we've talked about... Uh, we talked about very uh, Blair's look, but let's talk about Frankie's look. Um, as as the, as the costume designer points out, that um, based on the Wall Street Occupy movement, 
you know, that's what kind of gave them the the ideology for her. Mm-hmm. I thought that was such a funny dichotomy when she's, especially when she's got the um, the megaphone and she's saying like, "Hey, just text me if anything goes wrong." You got a cell phone? You have a cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> well. And, and going to that, too, her look was purposely done to be um, a combination of music festival meets Greenpeace meets Woodstock. Uh, so it's a mishmash of the that. militant-inspired clothing for her a la vintage Levi's. <laughs> so uh, she fit the part of that, you know, militant Occupy Wall Street. Do, do you have a job? Well, what was it? Well, being a full-time activist, a full-time <laughs> activist, yeah, is my full-time job. But no, it doesn't pay that well. Um, like I, I, de- I definitely got the activist type of you know personality from her. I mean, she's also known for Broad City, and I've only seen like one episode of that. But she looks the same of her character in Broad City, so I don't think it was really out of her real house. She didn't look different from what I've seen her on screen. Yeah. That's it. In, in terms of one of the things I was shocked about was to learn that the college scene was added later and and was shot um, sort of later on in the process that was not part of the original yes. script. Uh, and the reason I say shocked because it's, it's, it's so integral to setting them up um, in all the various ways, even down to Frankie and Blair with the, the boot costume. Yeah. <laughs> Stops and then we're together. That's funny. And it was just funny. He kept staring at the boobs. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. It's like the epiphany came, and they even, uh, or, or Lucia uh, even admits that it changed the DNA of the movie. Had we started off seeing these friends ten, in the 10 years later, like in the now as opposed to the 10 years ago, um, it, to me, that completely changes the dynamic because that flashback scene ends with Alice saying, and even and even Jess to an extent, well, we're all gonna, our kids are all going to play with one another. We're going to be best friends forever. And that we mm-hmm. said there, and then 10 years later, that 10 years, a lot has happened, and they've changed, and we learn they haven't really been together, and I don't think yeah only one of them has kids and they're going through a divorce and that and she didn't even tell anybody that she's having this divorce so life got in the way they keep a lot of things private you know with each other they withheld a lot of information Mm -hmm. it would just yeah when you're doing a movie that's based on comparison (laughs) it's tough to have a comparison when you don't see that comparison yeah Uh, so I I agree with you guys And and it was added like so apparently, if you're thinking about a script, that wasn't in the original script. It just started off in present day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think, think it, it adds to her character, too, of Frankie, because it makes you believe that she is a person who will stand up for what is right or like mm-hmm. will tell someone off if like uh, in what they believe in, in a way where right. we had that scene where she... Where Frankie's telling off Blair, right. like this, this is the kind of person you became, Blair. Blah 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 blah. Right. So it, it makes sense that she would be the person who would just say it straightforward as is. Right. When you add the college scene in there, like she's a person who will stand up and say it. Right. Absolutely. Um, I don't have a lot on the score apart from the fact that Dominic Lewis did the score. Um, he's mainly known as a musician. 
uh, for movies such as How to Train a Dragon, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Batman v Superman, things of that nature. Um, but he did this time. He did the score. He got a chance to to crack at it. And you know what? To, by that respect, I I like the fact that you know we whether it's Sean Porter or you know some of these actors that we've kind of been talking about, um, or just even the filmmakers because this is their f- feature debut. He got a shot at it. Uh, you know, I don't re. I remember the songs. I don't remember the score as much, but I'm glad he got a crack at it. Well, it never got in the way of the movie, which is good. Um, that can ruin a good. That could ruin a comedy if the movie, if the music mm-hmm. gets in the way. Um, sometimes music actually can be used to that where it explains the joke. Like this is where you're supposed to laugh. Uh, but to your point, I agree. I am glad that. There were fresh faces, like the boyfriend. Um, Peter. Who, Peter. Is um, Lucia's boyfriend. Yeah, Paul W. Downs. Like, I'd never seen him before. Mm-hmm. Some of his friends looked sort of familiar, but there were nobody that I recognized. I recognized Bo Burnham. Did you? Oh, okay. He's a YouTuber. Oh, all right. Well, I don't I know who he is, but name. <laughs> I, re- I, you know, I recognized Dean Winters. Um, you know, he's the mayhem guy, mm-hmm. uh, and he was also uh, uh, oh, somebody's yeah, he girlfriend. The yeah, guy. he's the mayhem guy. And uh, so there were some recognizable faces, but for the most part, outside of a lot of our, our characters here, Jillian Bell is in a ton of comedies. Like she's in she's a, not a household name yet. I mean, no, I would say Rebel yeah. Wilson, she's in Rebel Wilson's Shadow, I would say. Would you say oh, that? I I, I, I totally got a Rebel Wilson feeling. I was like, okay, she's the the big loud character that's like, okay, it's only funny for the first five minutes, and oh. then and then it becomes too much. Yeah, well, I I'm not going to disagree with you there, but to her career, she was in Twenty Two Jump Street. Don't she remember. She was she was the villain. Like I thought she was. I liked her a but lot. She, she was in. She was also yeah. in Office Christmas Party as the. She was funny there. She was also in The Night Before. She was also in um, uh, Fist Fist Fight. Fight. Uh, She's been in a lot of movies within the past couple of years. Like... I've I've recognized her, so or maybe I'm a biggest fan. I mean, I think she's funny. This was the first movie I saw her in where she had, her character annoyed me, but that's the character. Oh, she was so annoying. But I, Alice was. I was like, oh my god, okay, she's that character. Um, I played into it. Out, out of all those movies that you just listed, I've only seen one, and I don't remember her. Sorry, um, but it seems like all those movies, Twenty Two Jump Street, Night of X Y and Z. Like, they're all the same type of raunchy comedy humor. Like, has she gone anything outside of that? Is she only known for the raunchy comedy? I don't um, know who Jillian Bell is. Yeah, I mean... She wasn't I, memorable, and honestly, she was... I, like, I want to forget her because she was so annoying in this movie. Well, I, her character was annoying. I mean, okay, I mean, she was in Goosebumps uh, the night before. Fist Fight we talked about. Um, r- rough Night. I'm just trying to. I'm just looking up all yeah. the other movies. Twenty Two Jump Street. Night before we mentioned, she played uh, Seth Seth Rogen's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think I think the disconnect is I, I don't think she's a household name yet. No, mm-hmm. you know, but she's very recognizable. I think. I mean, she's definitely one of those character actresses who's in comedies that uh, I don't know. She she's. 
like when I see her now, I recognize her. I've recognized her since I, I, I guess twenty two Jump Street. Give going back to twenty two Jump Street, she was a voice in the Angry Birds. She's been in Portlandia. Like I said, Goosebumps, Night Before, Gravity Falls. She was uh, there. She was also in Inherent Vice. She's getting up there. She's utilized, like you said, in raunchy comedies. Um, you know, but well. Uh, so let's let's talk about the box office. I was really hoping for um, sort of a bad mom's type of box office number. Unfortunately, that's not what we got. We came in at number seven overall in terms of the weekend, and projections were initially ten to fourteen million. ended ended up somewhere um, in the eight million range. Eight million. Mm-hmm. So. Ironically, I, I have this in my notes. It was released on Father's Day weekend. <laughs> Good time to release a women's raunchy comedy or bad time? Well, they couldn't go Mother's Day because Snatched, Snatched was coming was out. Uh, I am going to blame a lot of this. Believe it or not, listen, Sony has not had a good couple of years. And I, and I yeah. still think that they're, they're dealing with Fallout. Uh, you know, they've, they've since have a new head of film uh, president uh, who came over from Fox I still think that Sony is trying to find their way they have they have a lot different problems than Paramount had Paramount lost a lot of franchises Jim Giannopoulos good Greek guy who also he was partnered uh, right now the name of the guy that runs Sony I forget his name Uh, they were paired up at Fox uh, Jim Giannopoulos went to Paramount. This other guy, he's been at Sony now. They're still trying to find their identity. Um, and they're having a hard time. They they, they really are. They, well, also, you have to, you know, one of the things you have to look at is when you talk about the movie studios in terms of fixing something, it's not like if I'm hired today, then in two weeks, all right, great, we're going to do Captain. We're going to do more. I mean, how many years does it take to make a movie? Like, we're going to have right. to make the movie if that's the direction we're going in. And then, boom, if that's wrong, then I get fired and then someone else inherits my thing. You don't see the fruits of your labor for years no, until yeah. after. Agreed. And, and it's also this, like, the timing of the years, beginning of the summer now. And, like, this would be kind of programming to Cars. Cars is a big Disney movie that just came out and, like... I'm, I'm trying, and it's also like when a woman is still out and people are going to see that for the second, third time. So I, I think it's just like also the timing a lot of, of it movies just are didn't also, work. A lot of movies are also like first off between um, All Eyes on Me, 47 Meters Down, Cars 3, and still The Power of Wonder Woman and all the other movies that we've been talking about. I think it's it's the summer's hitting. We're packed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much it's packed. stuff. This if you're movie, not the big name movie of the week, you're going to tank. Yeah, this movie, I think, would have been better off being released in February. Like, when we're always in desperate need for a comedy. Like, January, February. Hell, even if you really want to counter-program it, make it the anti-rom-com. You know, go Valentine's Day. An all-women's movie. Like, well, also, if I you wouldn't think go about it. this time in the summertime. But I think they were thinking maybe they had neighbors... Mm. No, well, also, if you think about it, too, like, the, a big theme of the movie is wedding. There's June wedding that's also out. Uh, it's like, it is the month of June. And we know another movie with the same type of premise, five other girls, 
going crazy for a weekend. Like, it could be because they just wanted to be out first before that movie. Well, I would have picked a... That's why I would have picked definitely much earlier in the year. Um, This other Girls Night Out movie... It's coming out in a f- girls trip. It's coming out in a few weeks, I think, or yeah. maybe within yeah, the like next month months. or so. And that's good. that Hollywood does this all the time, and usually no one wins. Like, remember when there were like Hercules, two Hercules movies in one year? You know, I The think... Rock was in one, and was it Jason Momoa maybe in the other? And we'll talk about it. But I, I think that movie will actually do really well. Which one? Girls Trip. I could, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it has potential. This one had potential, too. You know, but there is something that I want to bring up, and it's not necessarily about the, the release, but I want to I call shenanigans because Lucia was, was, was in an interview, um, and I found this in, of all places, Cosmopolitan Magazine. And she was asked... Of all places. Well, well, That's like because, the main because they're get-go gonna, for women. That's the I, woman's Bible. But Yeah, I get it, but they're Dimitri talking about... surprised why he was reading it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm surprised why I was reading it. You know, as part of the research, she, she does a... But they're talking about a raunchy comedy in Cos- Cosmopolitan. And a question was asked, like, did you have any pushback from the studio about anything being too raunchy? And she, her response was, was nice. She goes, what's nice is we wrote it before we sent it to studios... I was just talking about the word raunchy before because actually raunchy, I think, usually means like blue humor, like scatological or whatever, which isn't really in this movie. I'm like, really? Scatological like, in what sense? Yeah, well, well be real. Demi Moore was going down on Zoe Kravitz. Not raunchy? Really? Okay. Penis jokes and tampa. Really? Sad astronaut and meth and blowjobs? Really? Like, do you know what you wrote? Like, that to me, that quote, and I, I'm not misquoting, that to me says you really don't understand that. Maybe you don't understand what raunchy comedy means because you have it all in this movie. It's rated R because it's raunchy. Like, you made a rated R raunchy comedy for women. And for you to say, well, I really don't think it is. This is what it blue. It was very blue. And I'm not talking the Miami color palette. So I don't know if you're saying that. I don't think that's raunchy. It's sort of kind of is though. I, right. I mean, I looked at it as raunchy. I'm not, I'm not offended by it. I feel like this movie has all the checklists to make this movie as a raunchy movie. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I don't, I, you don't. I I don't doubt that you're mis, you're you're not misquoting her, but may I, I also know, and I'll, I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes outlets don't put the full context of what's actually. I don't know. Agreed. So they might have put that quote out of context. Right. I don't know, but. Yeah. And usually for my research, too, I'm not going... I don't get something from Cosmopolitan. It has nothing about it being a woman's magazine, but I, I'm not usually quoting Cosmopolitan when we're talking <laughs> like, movies. It just, I didn't mean it in a bad way. It's just weird because like, there's a lot, of, a lot of dirty stuff in Cosmopolitan. Oh, just the magazine alone, let alone this movie. Yeah, <laughs> let alone this movie. It makes so. sense. It would be That quote would be in Cosmopolitan. Yeah, I should have been just, like, you like Cosmo? You're going to love this movie. <laughs> yeah, Every Cosmo I've seen is about, oh, how to 
have better sex. Oh, trivia. It's just in a different ways. So it has been about 20 years since there was a a rated R comedy directed by a woman. Does anybody know what that movie was? 20 is? years ago. Ooh. Jeopardy. That's like late 90s? Oh, Jeopardy. I don't know. Uh, let's see. You will I know it. I can't think of it on the top of my head. Um, I know I had to research it. I have uh, British Jones Diary 2001 was the last rated R comedy to be directed by a woman until Correct. Nancy Meyer stumbled into an R rating in 2009. That's what I put in there. I love Nancy Meyer. She is my favorite director of all time. That's so, a very popular female director. Oh my too. god. And mm-hmm. like at the beginning of this film was a Nancy Meyer's trailer for Home Again. I'm really excited to talk about that film. Oh, I didn't see that trailer. Oh, I, I didn't totally get that did. one. On this, but yes, no, Bridget Nancy Jones's Bridget Jones's diary. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, two thousand romantic, yeah, two thousand and one. There you go. And uh, before we uh, start wrapping things up, it's a very good romantic comedy. We have a video, correct? Yeah, we do. Like we have like a yeah, we have a good behind the scenes. It's sort of it's cool. It's cool because we actually see. Well, we yeah. see the director talking about the movie when we see the cast and crew. So, and it's it's short, it's in and out, it's a nice little featurette. Right, and it's something that we have that I haven't seen. So, here we go. It's a little promo. We got a black screen. I was kind of hoping that we could make it an early night. She looked nice yeah, in that right. red dress. I know, I love it. <laughs> The heart of this movie really comes from Chia. I just love her leadership. Action! Are you okay? Yeah, his junk broke my fault. <laughs> See, they're just having fun it's making a movie it. See, they about have five girls who go down to Miami for a bath trip that brings them back together. Okay, ready? Okay, okay. Jillian, you can still fall out. Just run three in a row. One more. Oh, yeah. The dance was funny. Everybody see me fall? Everybody no. stop. No. Yeah. Ellen! Yeah. You failed! <laughs> All right. <laughs> She's the first female director to direct an R-rated comedy in 20 years. This is so much fun! We should do this more often! What attracted me to this movie, it's all ladies, a lady behind the camera, like I was in. I love how she wants to take it again. comedically ingenious. But she is the best. She is a true visionary. Oh. Oh my God. How are you alive right now? I By the way, that's know. sweet of Peter, but I'll her boyfriend, you. to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's next? Here's the thing. Like, no, I, and I mean that in the best of ways. Like, But I will say, I have a very strong... Like, to be a true visionary, we got to get a couple of movies under your belt before we... Yeah, right. Call you a true visionary. Like, yeah. I've never heard of Lucia until this movie. <laughs> so, I've uh, heard of Nancy Myers. <laughs> yeah. I own every single one of her films. All right. Final thoughts She's on Rough you. Night. <laughs> um, this was funny. I, I think there were some moments that could have been cut shorter on some things that didn't need explaining, but I, I did like that there was that balance of slapstick with good writing plus good execution of some jokes. Um, overall, it was funny. I think I'll only really watch it once, but never, not again. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm not going back. It doesn't, for, as far as comedies go this year, it's, uh, for me, Fist Fight's still the funniest comedy, which, I mean, there hasn't been a lot, in fairness, 
Um, but this isn't. This is slowly but surely killing comedies. Uh, and I don't know what well, we have. Uh, I saw a couple of trailers. Um, you know, there, there, there's uh, Fathers, um, the Will Ferrell. Oh yeah, uh, Father's uh, Day too, house. or Father's our house the, or the house or something. Yeah, they, well, they got to start a casino. So. Well, there's house. Well, there's that. The the Will Ferrell the house with Amy Poehler. Yeah, but, but I was yeah. talking about the one with Mark Wahlberg. Uh, the sequel, Daddy's yeah, home Daddy's, Daddy's home, home too. Uh, you know, which looks funny, but it's a sequel. Um, I don't know. It's, so we'll, uh, we'll see. I'll still keep going. I still want to laugh. I still think that comedies are an important genre throughout society and i really do think that they can help with everything that's going on people need to laugh i agree there you go um well there you have it guys um let us know what you thought of the movie if you saw it we we enjoy your commentary we love discussing movies with you guys you guys have been absolutely fantastic um and also in the meantime at d movies 1701 for dimitri panos ladies and gentlemen and of course our resident female, Marissa Serafini, <laughs> at right. Serafini TV. That's right. Not ironic for a movie show whatsoever. <laughs> no. no. And uh, follow us here at the Popcorn Talk, at Movie Anatomy. We've got tons of uh, stuff coming down the pipeline for you. Uh, we're going to be talking about Transformers. Which certainly. I saw, and, and I live to tell about it. I'm here. I, the, it was <laughs> rough. It was rough going, but I'm here. Was that a rough and night? And I saw for it you? yesterday. <laughs> so we'll talk about it. Um, I really want to do 47 meters down in some Me way, too. shape, or form. So we'll figure out how to do that. Um, the big sick might be on the roster, but certainly uh, Baby Driver, Girls Trip that we've been talking about. And of course, check Speederman. out Speederman. Speed. Home again when that comes out. <laughs> check out our past episodes as well. We've we've covered comedy in the past. Um, if you love that genre, we've covered other genres as well. So definitely go through the archives as well. Um, if you can't wait for the future ones, because there's plenty of things to keep you occupied. 350 shows. Absolutely. 375. Look at that. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Svitek and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.